I want to take a moment and have a real heart-to-heart with you. If you're able, place your hand over your heart right now. Can you feel it? That's your heartbeat telling you that you're alive. It's the same for a pre-born baby. Their heart begins to form at conception, and at just three weeks, it's already beating. At five weeks, a baby's heartbeat can be heard on ultrasound. We've partnered with Preborn because we need to help these precious babies. Every day, Preborn's network of clinics rescues 200 babies from abortion. When a mother with an unplanned pregnancy meets her baby on ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine encounter that doubles a baby's chances at life. By six weeks, eyes are forming. By 10 weeks, a little baby is able to suck his or her thumb. For just $28, you can be the difference between the life or death of a child. And if you're a business owner, perhaps you can consider a larger donation for a write-off because we know the government isn't working on saving babies. A donation of 1000 2000 20000 All gifts are tax-deductible and will reach eternity. Get involved today to donate just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby that's pound 250 say the keyword baby or donate securely at preborn.com slash verdict that's preborn.com slash verdict when you have health insurance it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs that can be a lot of money But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million dollars. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. Welcome. It is Verdict with Senator Ted Cruz, Ben Ferguson with you. And we have got a lot to talk about today, Senator. And I want to give a roadmap for people because there's so much news happening. First off, a big victory. And we're going to get to this first, uh, dealing with a nomination, uh, someone from the Biden administration that's actually been pulled. You're going to give that update. Plus, What's going on in Mexico with the four Americans that were taken hostage? Two of them have died. We also have another issue with Fauci emails. And finally, January the 6th. Senator, let's start with this big information, uh, big news, a victory of the fact that President Biden's uh, nomination of Gigi Son to serve as a commissioner of the U.S. Federal Communications Commission, knows the FCC, has been pulled. How did we get there? I know that's something you talked about on this show early on and were leading the way saying she was not qualified. Well, this is a huge victory. So Joe Biden had nominated Gigi Sohn to be a commissioner of the FCC, the Federal Communications Commission. And many believe that that Biden intended to name her the chairman of the commission uh, if she had been confirmed. Uh, Gigi Sohn has been a left-wing activist her entire life. She is a hardcore activist. She had repeatedly denounced Fox News as an enemy to democracy, as a threat to democracy. She had demonstrated a willingness to use the powers of the FCC to deny licenses and to otherwise use government power to silence conservative voices. And she had a a remarkable pattern of just being a 
partisan activists. So, for example, there was a group called Fighting for Our Future that Gigi Sohn had supported for years. And every year she sent out tweets fundraising for Fighting for Our Future. Now, Gigi did this even though the group Fighting for Our Future had a, a long-standing practice of attacking multiple senators and multiple senators on the Commerce Committee. If you're nominated to be on the FCC, it's the Commerce Committee that has to confirm you. So Fighting for Our Future had put out billboards attacking Senator Marsha Blackburn, who's on the Commerce Committee with me. They'd put out billboards attacking Senator Dan Sullivan, who's on the, on the Commerce Com- Committee with me. They had attacked Roger Wicker, who's the former chairman, the former ranking member of the, of the Commerce Committee. But interestingly enough, Ben, they hadn't just attacked Republicans. They'd attacked a bunch of Democrats. So they'd put up billboards saying John Tester, the Democrat senator from Montana, is corrupt. They'd put up billboards saying Gary Peters, the Democrat senator from Michigan, is corrupt. They'd put up billboards saying Kirsten Sinema, the Democrat senator from Arizona, is corrupt. And amazingly enough, this group also sent a letter to Chuck Chuck Schumer in December of last year urging Schumer to fire Maria Cantwell, the Democrat who's the chairman of the committee, because the committee had yet to confirm Gigi Sohn. And after all of these solicitations, every year, Gigi Sohn would ask for people to contribute and support this. And so Gigi Sohn had three different confirmation hearings. The most recent one a couple of weeks ago, I'm the ranking member of the Commerce Committee. I led the fight against him. I walked her through each of these. I said, look, do you believe John Tester is corrupt? She says, no. Do you believe Gary Peters is corrupt? She says, no. Do you believe Kirsten Sinema is corrupt? She says, no. Did you know this group was putting up these billboards and attacking these senators? And she said, well, I knew about the billboard attacking Sinema. And I said, no, did you raise money for her at, for them after that? And she said, oh, yeah, completely unapologetically. I laughed. I said, look, I, I don't know in 10 years in the Senate that I've ever seen a nominee who supports a group that attacks half the senators on the committee that are supposed to confirm her. It, it was remarkable. Now, I'll tell you a, a, a funny epilogue to this. I said at the hearing, I said, listen, I, I'm kind of offended Like, this group has attacked half the senators here, but they haven't attacked me. Like, what do I have to do to get this left-wing group mad at me? I I would have thought I have done sufficient to attract their ire, and and I'm feeling kind of neglected here. Now, this group, they heard what I said, and I guess it prompted them to action. So they launched online a crowdfunding effort to raise money to put up a billboard attacking me. It's a, so, it's, so the billboard has a picture of me, and it has a website, tedcruzhatesfreespeech.com. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was not expecting that to be the name of the website, but go ahead. Okay. So set aside that if there's, I don't know that there's anything I love more than free speech. Yeah. Other than God, my family, and America. Um, but free speech is intimately intertwined with that. But here's the part that's beautiful, Ben. This left-wing group, they're really partisan, but they're not very good. So they didn't actually buy the website. So the billboard that they were crowdfunding to raise, the website was still available, so I bought it. 
And so I now own the website, tedcruzhatesfreespeech.com, and I promptly turned it into a campaign fundraising website, and I tweeted out, said, hey, I really appreciate you guys putting this billboard up and urging people to go to this website to contribute to my Senate reelect. That's just an amazing thing. That and might be the best investment you've ever made in any <laughs> website ever. You may, you, you may have missed the investment window on some of the big stuff, but at least you got that website. It, it, it was really... So her record is extreme. It, it was... She is a partisan advocate. And Biden was giving in to the radical left by trying to name her to the FCC because I believe he wanted to use government power to silence conservative voters, to attack Fox News, to attack conservative outlets, and to advance a, an extreme partisan agenda. In the Commerce Committee, we managed to hold all the Republicans together. And multiple Democrats expressed skepticism. Well, today, midday, Joe Manchin put out a statement saying he was a no. He was voting no. And about an hour later, we got a formal announcement that Gigi Sohn was withdrawing her nomination. The White House was withdrawing her nomination. Now, I'll tell you, I was actually sitting at lunch with my colleagues. All the Republican senators have lunch together every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. So I was sitting at lunch. At like 1.50 p.m., the lunch typically runs from 12.30 to, to 2 p.m. At like 1.50 p.m., my staff director sends me a text and says, hey, we're hearing lots of rumors in town that Gigi Sohn is going to withdraw. And I'm like, okay, great. How reliable are these rumors? Are they real? And he's like, well, it's kind of the lobby crew in town, but, but most of their rumors have been pretty accurate on this. And so I'm like, well, try to nail this down. I want to know for sure. And then at about 1.57 so about three minutes before the lunch is over, my guys send me a text of, of the media stories that had just broken saying the White House had withdrawn her nomination. So I stood up at lunch. It was the very end of lunch. And I said, hey, just wanted everyone to let you know the news just broke about two minutes ago. The White House has withdrawn Gigi Sohn's nomination. I'll tell you, the entire Republican conference broke out in applause. That's awesome. And, and I really I gave a testament to all of the Republicans on the Commerce Committee who stayed united, who stayed focused. You know, in my new role as ranking member, we tried very hard to work with each of their teams to, to, to help each of the members focus on a different aspect of her record. But it was a comprehensive uh, effort to make clear she is not for someone on an independent agency like the FCC, you want someone fair, you want someone impartial, you want someone who will respect free speech. Not this partisan. was a nominee who was not, and as of today, this nomination has been defeated. It's a, it's a success story coming out of Washington that we wanted to make sure people knew about because this is what happens when people expose these individuals and let everybody know, and this yep. podcast played a pivotal role in exposing uh, who this nominee was and why they were not qualified, and this is a victory we should all enjoy. And I, the I important want... thing, Ben, also to underscore, look, we beat her in a Democrat Senate, which means if it were just a party-line vote, if it were just all the D's vote yes, all the R's vote no, she would have been confirmed. So to beat her, we held all the R's together, but we also picked off several D's, and actually, from what I'm hearing, there may have been as many as four, five, six Democrats who were going to vote no. And, and so that was really a big victory, because I got to tell you, 
Democrat senators have been willing to vote for some of the most extreme nominees I've ever seen. So to actually flip them uh, w- w- was a great victory for free speech today. Yeah, no doubt about it. It was awesome. I want to get to this other issue, and it was a shocking issue, of four Americans that were uh, taken hostage in Mexico. Before we get into that story, though, I want to tell you about our friends at Chalk, and uh, you know how much the left hates Real men, men that are masculine, and if you are getting older and you're losing a little bit of that edge, then you need to know about Chalk, C-H-O-Q. What do they do? They're here to, here to help real American men maximize their masculine, masculinity by boosting testosterone levels up to 20% over 90 days. Now, I'm taking the Chalk Male Vitality Stack I can tell you it works. I've been using it now for, what, three and a half, four weeks, and you too can maximize your masculinity, get those testosterone levels back up. That'll irritate the left. I can promise you that. All you got to do is go to chalkchoq.com. Use the promo code BEN, and you'll get 35% off any Chalk subscription for life. Choq.com promo code Ben for 35% off choq.com. Senator, uh, there was a story that was really a shocking story. It also came along with video, and that video showed four Americans who had traveled uh, into Mexico right across the border in, in, with Texas going into Mexico. They were then ambushed. Uh, two of them died. They were taken and thrown into the back of a white pickup truck. We saw this. The most shocking part for me was not that the cartels did this. It was the fact that the president of the United States of America had nothing to say about it when these, at that point, we didn't know if anyone had actually been killed yet of these Americans. And the White House was asked about what is the president doing and saying? And the White House press secretary, all she had to offer the American people and these hostages was this. Thank you. I wanted to follow up on the issue about the four U.S. citizens kidnapped in Mexico. Um, Has the president been informed? What was his reaction? You can share anything about that. I can tell you the president is aware and has been uh, informed. That's it. You're an American. You're held hostage in Mexico. You're asked about it. And the White House says he has been informed, Senator. He is aware. That is all he had to say about this. And now we found out two of the four are dead. Your reaction. Look, Ben, I really wish we had a commander-in-chief. That reaction is pitiful. Anyone who kills an American citizen should face serious consequences, should be held to account. And the president was AWOL. You had four Americans. The story as we know it right now, more facts may come out, but as we know it right now, four Americans from South Carolina who traveled down to Mexico so that one of them, uh, a woman, could get a medical procedure, a tummy tuck. They drove down there in a rental car, and what's been being reported right now is the Gulf Cartel believed that they were uh, Haitian smugglers, either drug smugglers or human smugglers, we don't know the exact details, and opened fire on them. And two of them were killed. Uh, The third was injured, shot in the leg, and the two that lived were taken hostage for several days. And... The president publicly didn't say a damn word. The president ought to stand up right now, and he should have stood up when they were taken before we knew their situation and said, release these Americans. America will not stand by while you kidnap Americans, while you shoot Americans, while you murder Americans. And particularly, this happened just south of of the U.S.-Mexico border, just south of our southern border. 
Let, let me say, secondly, this crisis was caused by Joe Biden. Joe Biden's open border policies have caused the worst crisis on our southern border in our nation's history. In two and a half years, we've seen over five and a half million illegal aliens crossing the border. We saw last year more than 100,000 drug overdoses in the United States, the highest level in history. More than half of those are Chinese fentanyl flooding across the border. But I'll tell you one of the real consequences. So Biden came in and Biden and Harris together in the first week, they did three things. They made three political decisions that caused this crisis. Number one, they immediately halted construction of the border wall. Number two, they reinstated the failed policy of catch and release. And number three, they pulled out of the incredibly successful Remain in Mexico policy. That combination of policy and political decisions caused this border crisis. But let me tell you the real effects. According to the New York Times, in the year 2018, the drug cartels in Mexico made roughly $500 million. Now listen, $500 million is a lot of money. They were doing quite well. Last year, do you know how much they made? How much? $13 billion. We're, that I is mean, and that's 2,600 percent more. Yes, it, it is, without exaggeration, the single best thing that has ever happened to Mexican drug cartels and drug lords is Joe Biden becoming president. Their profits went up 2,600 percent. $13 billion, by the way, of that money, roughly, roughly half the money they make is from human trafficking, from bringing human beings across the border in horrible conditions of squalor and abuse, and roughly half of it is from drug trafficking. So why do these cartels feel that they have the power to kidnap and murder American citizens? Well, when you're vicious terrorists, when you're violent criminals, when you are cruel and abusive, and you got $13 billion, sadly, the impact in a country is terrible, and Joe Biden caused this. It is tragic, and it's unacceptable. The Attorney General Bill Barr, former Attorney General Bill Barr, was asked about this, and he obviously had to deal a lot with Mexico when he was in charge. Under the Trump administration, he summed it up by putting it this way. The Mexican government is being held hostage by tens of thousands of paramilitary members of terrorist organizations that effectively control Mexico. It's pretty close at this stage to a failed narco state. Uh, they can use violence and um, oceans of cash to corrupt uh, the government. The government has no will and it doesn't have the ability to deal with the cartels. And they are sitting next door uh, producing uh, mountains of poisonous drugs and killing over 100,000 Americans a year, which was the, at the height of World War II, that was our killed in action rate. So we are sustaining the same damage as we would in a major war uh, from these groups operating right beyond uh, our reach. Senator, when you put in perspective the way that he did, talking about the number of people that have died, you know, the, the killing of over 100,000 Americans a year, which was the, which was what we were dealing with the height of World War Two. That was our killed in action rate. And we're sustaining those losses right now because of an open border, because of this president. 
and he has doesn't seem to have any connection to reality or want to stop the death of all these Americans. And even when Americans are being taken hostage, did you ever think you would see a day where a president wouldn't immediately come out to the White House press briefing and say, I want to make it clear the cartels, whoever took these Americans, you better return them or we will unleash holy hell on you. Uh, and, and if the Mexican government is the failure that was just described here uh, by Bill Barr, that's basically a, a, a narco state. And you know that because he was just down there. Why wouldn't you have said this? Because you had no honest uh, ability to believe that the Mexican government was going to be able to find these people before two or three or four die. Well, because Joe Biden is an unbelievably weak president. Uh, Listen, Bill Barr, as you know, he's been a friend for a long time, for 20 years. We've had Bill Barr as a guest on this podcast when he was attorney general under Donald Trump. And Barr has spent a lifetime fighting for law and order, fighting against drug dealers, fighting against human traffickers, fighting to, to keep innocent people safe. And the condition in Mexico is tragic. The, the, these drug cartels are more powerful than they have ever been in the history of Mexico or the history of the world. And Joe Biden is making them powerful. He is making them incredibly rich by allowing their businesses to flourish and prosper. And listen, Bill Barr is right that the Mexican government, sadly, uh, has at best turned a blind eye to the horrific predations of these drug cartels, and at worst, has been complicit in them. Uh, You know, it was really striking when when Biden went down to Mexico and did a, a press conference with AMLO, the extreme leftist president of Mexico. AMLO praised him effusively in Spanish. We played it on this podcast. He praised him as being the first president in modern times, Republican or Democrat, not to build a single meter of border wall. Now, AMLO was praising him for essentially abandoning his obligation to protect America and keep us safe. But that is also the praise of someone talking about a president of the United States who AMLO believes is weak, who AMLO believes is not formidable. Um, You know, last night I went on Jesse Waters, and and Jesse asked me about Lindsey Graham and said, we ought to send in the military, we ought to kill these drug cartels. And and let me be clear, Lindsey's a friend, but but I don't agree with his recommendation there. I don't think we ought to invade Mexico. I don't think we ought to be in the business of invading foreign nations. But I do think the president ought to make unequivocally clear to the Mexican government You will hunt down, you will send in the Mexican army, you will arrest these cartel members that murdered these American citizens, you will extradite them to the United States, and they will face the full force of the justice system in the United States of America. And and you might say, well, gosh, AMLO's too weak to do that, he's unwilling to do that. I'll tell you what, when Trump was president, AMLO was terrified of Trump. When Trump was president, AMLO agreed to the Remain in Mexico agreement. He actually stationed thousands of of Mexican soldiers on Mexico's southern border. You know, you look at the map, Mexico's southern border along Guatemala is much, much smaller than our southern border, which is 2,000 miles between the United States and Mexico. If you want to stop illegal immigrations, one of the, way, one of the ways you do it is you, you seal the southern border of Mexico. AMLO did it because he was terrified of Trump. Because Biden is such a weak president, everyone walks all over him, and sadly... These American citizens, they're from South Carolina. Two of them 
lost their lives because of the drug cartels empowered by Joe Biden. And two of them were kidnapped while Joe Biden remained silent and did not use the power of the United States to defend those Americans. Yeah, it, it is. It is a scary thing. And, and I think the part that was most shocking for me was the fact that we only offered up fifty thousand uh, dollars to to get information about the whereabouts. And I said, wow, I'm basically worth twelve thousand five hundred dollars. But if you come across the border illegally, you'll get far more than that from the U.S. government. And we're sending far more than that to people in Ukraine. That is, again, shows you just how low the American people are on the priority list of this White House. I want to get Ben, for what it's worth, I'd, I'd pony up at least 13,000 for information on you. Thank you. Thank you. At least 13. I like Hey, that. I got you're, your I, back. It's not 12-5, man. You're, you're, you're at up, least you're 13. The entire United States government right now. Do I get to combine funds? Because that's like almost 25 right there. Look, I don't have a, a, a multi-trillion dollar GDP, so you should feel really good. I just committed I thirteen grand. I, I'll be in trouble at home for that. I'm going to get this in writing, Diaz. If we ever go missing, we know we know uh, Senator Cruz has got our back on that one. I, I want to get to something else, and that is but, these but, new— By the way, 1301, I may be like— uh, new, new number. Who dis? <laughs> I don't know that I, that former person that I used to work with. Yeah, I can I can hear the press conference right now. At least I'd get a press conference out of it. That would be the good news. It's, <laughs> I, I got your back, big guy. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I appreciate that. I want to get in these emails with Dr. Fauci. Uh, that apparently these new emails are showing that Dr. Anthony Fauci actually commissioned a scientific paper in February of 2020 to disprove the Wuhan lab leak, quote, theory. Before I get to that, I want to tell you about our friends at Augusta Precious Metals. You've probably seen what's been going on with the economy. You know what's happening with interest rates, and you know what's happening on Wall Street. So if you have saved a long time for retirement, you know how important it is to, to understand that you need to protect your dollars, and you can do that with a gold IRA. I'm excited to tell you about a company that I actually use and trust, Augusta Precious Metals. They're different. They will tell you if a gold IRA isn't your answer. They just give you the facts. Now, Augusta Precious Metal is all about protecting your IRA and 401ks in this crazy economy. And that is so important close to retirement because there's no time to make up losses. So if you've saved $100,000 or more, you should take a look at their free guide and sign up for their free web conference. That's where you get the real information. I've done that web conference, and it is amazing. You should check them out. Call them, 877-4, the number 4, Gold IRA, 877, the number 4, Gold IRA, or visit AugustaPreciousMetals.com. Say I sent you, and they'll pay your fees for up to 10 years. That's AugustaPreciousMetals.com, or 877-4-GOLD-IRA. I'd like to take a moment and have a real heart-to-heart with you. If you're able right now, place your hand over your heart. Can you feel it? That's your heartbeat telling you that you're alive. It's the same for a preborn baby. Their heart begins to form at conception, and at just three weeks, it's already beating. At five weeks, a baby's heartbeat can be heard on ultrasound. And that's why we've partnered with Preborn, because we need to help these precious babies. Every day, Preborn's networks of clinics rescue 200 babies from abortion. When a mother with an unplanned pregnancy meets her baby on ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine encounter. That doubles a baby's chances at life. And by six weeks, 
the eyes are forming. By 10 weeks, a baby is able to suck his or her own thumb. And for just $28, you could be the difference between life or death of a child. All gifts are tax deductible, and I want you to donate. All you have to do is just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250, keyword baby. You can also donate securely at preborn.com slash verdict. That's preborn.com slash verdict or pound 250 and say the keyword baby. Hey, Ben Ferguson here. And if you're an accredited investor, U.S. oil and gas should be a part of your investment portfolio. I want you to visit LabradorEnergy.com. Beyond the possibility to invest in a sector that historically delivers sound returns when you invest with Labrador Energy, you have access to potential tax benefits, and you may be able to structure your investment to offset active or passive income. According to many sources, U.S. oil and gas drilling remains one of the best tax-advantaged income investments available. Visit LabradorEnergy.com. Labrador's core executive team has more than 190 years of combined oil and gas experience and has drilled thousands of oil and gas wells. They are dedicated to mitigating risk while providing accredited investors with sound returns. So visit LabradorEnergy.com. American energy independence is crucial for our national security and future prosperity. And Labrador Energy is leading the charge to make that a reality. Invest in U.S. oil and gas today. Today. Learn more at LabradorEnergy.com. Offer for accredited investors only. Past performance is no indication of future results. Investing involves risk. Consult your legal, tax, and financial advisors and read the prospectus before making any investment decisions. Visit LabradorEnergy.com for the prospectus and more information. Senator, uh, the, the more that comes out about what Fauci was up to, uh, it, it is even to me a little bit shocking now these new emails uncovered by the House Republicans probing the, probing the COVID-19 pandemic are now revealing the deceptive nature of Dr. Anthony Fauci. They show that he prompted or commissioned and had final approval on a scientific paper written specifically in February of 2020 to disprove the theory that the virus leaked from a Wuhan lab in China. Eight weeks later, Fauci also said at the White House press conference alongside Donald Trump and cited that paper as evidence that the lab leak theory was implausible while pretending it had nothing to do with him and he did not know the authors. He was lying to the American people. Well, sadly, we've discovered that Dr. Fauci is more than willing to lie to the American people, and he did so throughout this pandemic. Uh, he did so at enormous expense to his own integrity, to his own credibility, and an enormous expense to the credibility of the scientific and medical community in this country, particularly in the government. Uh, this particular story was broken by Miranda Devine in, in the New York Post. And I got to say, Miranda Devine has done an extraordinary job breaking these stories. She's focused aggressively on it. You know, when Fauci talked about this paper, he described it as a group of, quote, highly qualified evolutionary virologists. They looked at the sequences in bats as they evolved and the mutations that it took to get to the point where it is now totally consistent with a jump of species from animal to human. So he continues, the paper will be available. I don't have the authors right now, but we can make it available to you. So he's laying it out as this scientific 
paper. It came out in Nature magazine on February 17th, 2020. But it was written four days after Fauci had a, held a call with the four authors to discuss reports that, that COVID-19 may have been leaked from the Wuhan lab and, quote, may have been intentionally genetically manipulated. And the article on February 12th, Anderson, one of the authors of the article, submitted the paper to Nature Medicine with a cover email. There has been a lot of speculation, fear-mongering conspiracies put forth in this space. This paper was prompted by Jeremy Farah, Tony Fauci, and Francis Collins. And, and Francis Collins was the head of the NIH, the National Institute for Health. Uh, Farrar was the head of the British nonprofit, the Wellcome Trust, which has deep ties to the pharmaceutical industry and the Gates Foundation. And emails on the day the paper was published, Farrar was pushing through a crucial, crucial change. He said the following. This is a quote. Sorrow to, sorry to micromanage, microedit, but would you be willing to change one sentence? And his change was to replace the word unlikely with the word improbable in a statement about the lab leak origin. So it would read, it is improbable that SARS COVID-2 emerged through laboratory manipulation of an existing SARS-related coronavirus. Um, if you look at it, Fauci knew what he was doing. He prompted the scientists to write the article. And then he turns around and holds a press conference and says, wow, look at this article. I don't know who wrote it. Who knows? But, but they seem really credible. And you know what? It says the virus didn't come from a Chinese government lab. Now, mind you, that was false. And Fauci had all the evidence he needed to know it was false. He did that in February 2020. Remember, this podcast in March of 2021, one month later, laid out the facts then that I think made it indisputably likely that it had escaped from a Chinese government lab. But Dr. Fauci didn't like that political story and so was willing to essentially fabricate evidence to, to prompt a scientific study that would enable him to turn around and say, gosh, I'm just following the science when I believe he knew he was misleading the American people. Yeah, the way he put it at that press conference just showed how, how shady this was. Hey, get me this, and then I'll cite it like I didn't know about it, like you guys are independent, and they're, and they're literally colluding on this on the phone ahead of time. And then when he brings it to the American people, it's like, I had nothing to do with this, just found this independent study. And, and this is par for the course now with what we're finding out through these investigations. The question is, though, will there be any accountability for this? Fauci got paid. He got famous. He walked away from, from our government being the highest paid bureaucrat on our payroll in our government. Do you believe that even with all of this coming out, will there be any accountability? Because at this point, I think that's what so many Americans want. They just want to know that somebody is going to get in trouble for what they did to us in this country with COVID lockdowns, etc. So sadly, I don't believe there's going to be any federal criminal liability. And the reason is simple. Under our Constitution, there's one person and one person only on the face of the planet that can bring federal criminal charges. His name is Merrick Garland. He is the Attorney General of the United States. 
He is, as we've talked about on this podcast multiple times, I think the most political attorney general this country's ever seen. I've asked Merrick Garland repeatedly if he's willing to investigate Anthony Fauci, if he's willing to prosecute Anthony Fauci for lying to the Congress, and Merrick Garland has refused to give a straight answer to that. Um, As you and I said on this podcast at CPAC last week, uh, Merrick Garland might actually rival and even exceed Anthony Fauci for arrogance and self-satisfied hubris. And that's hard to do. It it is astonishingly hard to do. Um, Both of them, I think, have done enormous damage. I think there will be accountability for Fauci, number one, in public opinion and public record. And it's one of the values, um, what we're trying to do in the Senate, what we're trying to do in this podcast, what the House majority is doing with its subpoena power and its investigation. Sunlight is powerful. More and more people are learning that Anthony Fauci was a liar, but he wasn't just a liar. He was a deliberate liar. He knew he was lying. He was willing to put politics above science and medicine. And on the left, you know, the left lives so often, and by the left, I mean Democrats, I mean the the uh, bureaucratic estate of the regulators in, in our government, and I mean the media, the corporate media, they live in a fact-free environment where they have a narrative, they tell facts, they tell a story, and the facts don't matter. And we now know not one but two agencies in the Biden administration admit what was obvious three years ago, which is that COVID likely escaped from a Chinese government lab. At this point, the Biden Department of Energy has concluded that, and the Biden FBI has concluded that. And that means when Fauci was teeing up these quote, scientific articles, he was deliberately creating materials that were deceptive. And the American people ought to be really ticked off. Why was Tony Fauci trying to cover up for communist China and for its culpability in this pandemic? Yeah, no doubt about it. And more of this is coming out. We'll keep you updated on what is found uh, specifically from the Republicans on the House side as they're continuing to look into this. Finally, Senator, I want to talk about January the 6th and these tapes have come out. Uh, they are being broadcast. The footage is being looked at. Uh, the, the the leadership of the Republican Party on the Senate side, uh, Mitch McConnell, saying he doesn't really like how this is going down. And I want to get your reaction to that. Before I do that, I want to tell you about our friends at Patriot Mobile, if you want to vote with your dollars and you want to have an impact with your dollars, you want to give your money to companies that are aligned with your values, you can do it every month when you pay your cell phone bill by switching to Patriot Mobile. Now, switching is easy now. You're also going to get the same great coverage that you have right now. You're going to get to keep your same cell phone number. The difference is when you pay your bill every month, the portion of that bill goes to support First and Second Amendment causes. Also, they give money to support the rights of unborn children and even help with adoptions. Patriot Mobile is a conservative Christian company that is standing by what we believe in. So make a difference every time you use your phone. Call them, use the promo code VERDICT, you'll get the best savings of the day. And if you are an American business owner, small business owner, they have an entire division dedicated to small businesses as well. 878-PATRIOT, that's 878-PATRIOT, 878-PATRIOT, or online at patriotmobile.com slash verdict, that's patriotmobile.com 
dot com slash verdict. Senator, January the 6th, uh, there's been a lot of fodder. I've said this, you and I've talked about this. If you were attacking police, you deserve to be arrested and go to jail. If you're breaking down windows, you deserve to be arrested and go to jail. But there's a lot of tape that's now coming out. And it's nothing like 9-11, which Democrats have, have said uh, that it was like that day. And now we're finding out about the lies of the January 6th committee, where apparently they were altering sound. They were altering tape. Uh, the man who led that committee, Benny Thompson, was asked about this earlier uh, by a reporter, Kerry Pickett, at the Washington Times. This is what was said in the back and forth. Presentation that came out last night, calling the January 6th. Kerry Pickett, Washington Times. What's your thoughts? This is calling the January 6th Select Committee liars, saying you guys selectively edited the, uh, the uh, tapes said that you guys pretty much Tucker Carlson particularly the way you guys put out selectively edited clips put in sound that didn't exist from the producers from the from NBC that's not true tell me I just told you it's not true well then what you want me to tell you that is not true okay Senator Hawley the the yeah, clip of him running by himself when the fact that the, there are a whole bunch of senators who are actually running out to, to, together when he was mocked. Is that true or is that not true? Say that again? Senator Hawley running by himself when he was running with a whole bunch of other senators? You saw him running. He was running with a whole bunch of other senators, though. You saw him running. He was running with a whole bunch of other senators. I stand by the tape. It's just Tilly Bauer. What about Jacob Chansley? He was, he was completely peaceful. I don't know him. Thank you, sir. I don't know him. Senator, uh, this is the guy who ran the January 6th committee. Uh, he's saying, ah, we, didn't, we didn't change any video, except when you see the raw video, it's very clear that the January 6th committee, who hired TV uh, executives to come, uh, producers to come run their hearings, they edited the hell out of these tapes and put things up there that just didn't happen. The January 6th committee and the House of Representatives was a kangaroo court. It was designed to be a political circus. Nancy Pelosi structured it. So it had only Democrats and two Republicans who would go along with the Democrats on everything. When Republicans wanted to put real Republicans who would stand up and actually cross-examine witnesses, actually try to get to the facts of what happened, Pelosi said, nope, nope, we don't want any cross-examination. We don't want any facts. This is a political circus. Uh, so, for example, Kevin McCarthy wanted to put Jim Jordan on. Jim Jordan would have questioned the hell out of every one of those witnesses. Nancy Pelosi said, oh, no, 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 our witnesses can't handle questioning. No, 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 we don't want him there. You know, an ordinary congressional committee, you have a roughly equal member of, a number of members from both sides, which means every witness that comes before them gets questioned by both sides. And, and there's a virtue to the give and take of a hearing. If you think about it, a criminal trial. A criminal trial would be very different if the prosecution were the only people allowed to talk. Like yeah. if the defense lawyer didn't get, a, get to speak, you just had the prosecution present evidence. You know what? Just about everyone would get convicted. It would take a terrible prosecutor who couldn't convict if the defense lawyer wasn't allowed to talk, wasn't allowed to question witnesses. That's what Nancy Pelosi did with the January 6th committee. She basically set up it was, and, and you mentioned 
they hired a Hollywood producer, a producer from Good Morning America, to put on a political infomercial. And the infomercial was designed to tell one story about January 6th that was deliberately one-sided. And so I'm very glad Kevin McCarthy has handed the footage over from January 6th over to Tucker Carlson. His, his show that he put out this week where he went through that video and he showed a lot of portions of video that were totally different from what that kangaroo court put out. And, and I think it's important for the American people to know what happened. Uh, as you said a minute ago, Ben, anyone on January 6th who committed a crime of violence, anyone who assaulted a police officer— that person should be prosecuted and go to jail. You don't get to commit a crime of violence. Whether I agree with your politics or I don't, violence is a crime and you should go to jail. But anyone who engaged in peaceful protests, who simply spoke what they believed, there were thousands upon thousands of peaceful protesters there on January 6th who didn't violate the law. They exercised their First Amendment rights. And for two years, we've seen Democrats and the corporate media cynically trying to paint those little old ladies waving American flags and singing God Bless America with the action of a much smaller number of individuals who committed crimes of violence. And so releasing this video is really powerful to show, as, as you played in that exchange with the Washington Times reporter, the January 6th committee released a video and then added a soundtrack. It's like a sitcom adding the laugh track. They added noise that's not in the video. Why? Because it made really good TV. Wow, it sounded scary. They put a lot of scary noise there, so that must have been what it was like. And my hope is that this video gets reviewed and gets made available to the public, I, I hope much more widely than Tucker Carlson. I'm glad Tucker is making it available, but I think it ought to be available more widely so we can get a true and accurate picture of what happened. Those that committed crimes of violence can be held accountable, but those who are being persecuted for their political views, which is what the Biden administration can do, they can be exonerated, and this video is powerful on, on both fronts. You, you mentioned the other day, and you asked the question of the FBI about Ray Epps specifically, yes. and I and I think we should go back to that because one of the things that Tucker Carlson focused on on his second show was Ray Epps. Here's 35 seconds of what he showed in these videos that many people have never seen about Ray Epps, who you asked about the FBI. Listen to this. Tonight, we can tell you that at the very least, Ray Epps lied in his sworn testimony to the January 6th committee. Epps testified that when he sent the text messages to his nephew, he had already left the Capitol grounds to return to his hotel room. That is not true. The surveillance footage we found shows that, in fact, Ray Epps remained at the Capitol for at least another half an hour. You're seeing that on your screen now. What was Epps doing there? We can't say, but we do know that he lied to investigators. The January 6th committee likely knew this too. Democrats had access to the same tape, yet they defended Ray Epps. No honest investigation would do that. But the point of the January 6th committee was never to investigate anything. The point was to stage a made-for-TV show trial. I mean, we, we see the timestamp. You see that Ray Epps at least lied about this. Have you still, and is there any chance that we're going to get a straight answer on who the hell Ray Epps is, and is he an informant? Was he put there by the FBI? Well, sadly, 
from the Biden Justice Department, from the Biden FBI, I think the chances are very slim. Uh, I would encourage podcast listeners, go back and Google a podcast we did a long time ago that is entitled, Who is Ray Epps? And we devoted an entire episode of verdict to that question. And it followed a Judiciary Committee hearing in which I was questioning senior officials from the Department of Justice and from the FBI. And I asked them about how many undercover agents they had at the protest on January 6th. They refused to answer. How many of them, did any of them engage in acts of violence? They refused to answer. Did any of them encourage or incite others to engage in acts of violence? They, they refused to answer. If you look at Ray Epps, his behavior at the time, where he's urging people, we must go into the Capitol, not just to the Capitol, we must go into the Capitol. And it's really quite remarkable. You watch the video. The crowd starts chanting at Ray Epps, fed, fed, fed. The crowd believes he is working for the federal government. And, and I got to say, the lack of willingness to answer those questions from the Biden administration is incredibly troubling. Look, if someone commits a violent crime, they should be prosecuted. But there's an exception to that, which is if the federal government incites that crime, if the, if the federal government entraps someone. In other words, an undercover cop can't come to your house and say, hey, Ben, have you looked down the street? There's a liquor store there. Maybe we ought to go knock off the liquor store. What do you think? And you're like, oh, I don't know. I, I don't really need to do that. Come on, man. We can do it. We can do it. And if you go knock off the liquor store, you know what? At your criminal prosecution, you can raise a defense of entrapment and say, wait a second. It was law enforcement who came up with the idea. It was law enforcement encouraged me to do it. I wouldn't have done it. I was sitting at home recording a podcast until suddenly someone knocked on my door and said, let's go knock off a liquor store. The government can't do that. And so the, re the question on January 6th, one of the most important questions, is to what extent did federal law enforcement incite and entrap people into criminal violations? And the fact that Tucker has aired what appears to be video contradicting Ray Epps' testimony, that raises serious questions, and it's amazing the Democrats on the January 6th committee, when asked about Ray Epps, they hate every single person who was at January 6th. They're all evil, horrific insurrectionists except Ray Epps, and they defend him like crazy, which I got to admit, when you have hardcore partisans defending someone, that, that certainly raises some questions. Why are they defending him? And to be clear, Ray Epps has never been charged with any crimes. Absolutely true. And, and I don't know, maybe there is an explanation but on the face of it, so there's another video where he's in the crowd, he whispers in a guy's ear, and seconds later, the guy starts tearing down the barricades to go into the, the Capitol. That conduct appears to be encouraging him to violate the law. We don't know what he whispered. But the fact that the FBI won't answer that question, and listen, I get it, as a general matter, your dad was in law, law enforcement for a long time. As a general matter, you send in an undercover cop. You don't admit who the undercover cop is. You don't admit what he's done. And, and by the way, undercover policing is a legitimate form of law enforcement. January 6th was not a typical day. I don't think that's hyperbole to say. 
the Democrats and the Biden administration have suggested it was a national tragedy on the order of 9-11 and Pearl Harbor. If they are going to maintain that's the case, the American people deserve to know what actually happened that day, and they need, deserve to know what the precise level of culpability the federal government bears in the criminal conduct on that day. And yet the Biden DOJ and the Biden FBI remain dug in and adamantly opposed to any accountability. The FBI could answer this question. They refuse to, and it's because they, they ultimately don't think the public has a right to know. I, I, I think that represents a, a grotesque disrespect for the American people. No doubt about it. This may be one of my favorite podcasts we've ever done, Senator, because we got to cover so much tonight. And I'll remind each and every person listening right now, make sure you share this podcast with your family and friends. Also, hit that auto-subscribe, auto-download button. Uh, It doesn't cost you a dime, but you'll get every single episode automatically when you hit that button, wherever you're listening to this podcast. And finally, make sure you write us a five-star review. It helps us tremendously reach new audience. Uh, That's why we ask you to do that. And we will see you back here in a couple of days. Step into the world of power loyalty and luck i'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.